after praise time this morning, um, I'm going to be honest with you, I want to check my whole sermon. Um, at the same time, to do it? No. At the same time, it's, it's spot on. Let, let me read the text, and then I'm going to pray. Luke chapter 6, and these are Luke's Beatitudes, like Matthew's Beatitudes. Um, not as many of them, but he also has the flip side, the woes that go with those. I'm going to read through this whole section. Done this, uh, this would be the third time now. And Jesus, and he says, and he lifted up his eyes on his disciples, his followers. And he said, blessed, happy are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Happy or blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I would ask you now to guide and direct as we look at this passage today. I pray that it would be exactly what is needed for each soul that is present in this room. Lord, I ask for your spirit to speak through this text, through me, and directly to the hearts of those that are here today. I pray these things now in Christ's name. Amen. So, previously, I talked about the first of the Beatitudes, where Christ said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. That was two weeks ago, three weeks ago, actually. And the woe that went with it, woe to you who are rich, for you have received already in the past your consolation. Then last week, I talked about this one with some Grossberger illustrations. Blessed are you who are hungry now, because you will be satisfied. And the woe that went with it, woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Now, you may, have, you may know the next one that's coming up. And you may already know why I was saying what I said a moment ago. 
about wishing I could check this whole thing. I heard multiple things this morning that are causes to weep. There's probably more that weren't even mentioned. I know there's some lingering things that people have talked about that you've shared from your past, from your history. To help think through this, I'm going to stick with my notes anyway, okay? I'm trusting that what God ha- God knows what he's doing. I'm trusting he knows what he's doing. So I'm going to go through with this at this point. Thinking about weeping, I went back through the Bible. And I just did a, a search the other day. And I, all the places in the Bible where it says weep or weeping or sorrow or mourning. And roughly, and this is going to be full of ho- holes, but uh, roughly I found that there, they fell into three categories. Part of the reason why I was looking at this was because I, I clearly, at the time, I was thinking about all the places in the Bible that talk about to have joy. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I mean, think about all the places that say this, but yet Jesus here looks at his followers and said, Blessed are you who weep now, because you're going to laugh. But then he said, woe to you who laugh now, because you're going to in the future mourn and weep. I'm like, how does that work with, and in fact, even in the the text itself, we see that in the very next one, the one we're going to have next week, he's going to talk about blessed are you and woe to you, and he's going to incorporate joy in the middle of all of that, okay? So we're going to have to do some Serious digging, but to get started, weeping, what does that look like? And like I said, I found basically three categories. There could be more, but these are the ones that I noticed. These are, so this is not extensive. One I noticed, and I think that you're all going to recognize this one, many times through scripture there's weeping in connection to death. Abraham Weeping over the death of his wife, Sarah. And this morning, as I'm listening to you, I know that many of you weep over those who have died even recently. Was that not the case this morning? And we're not talking about something out there, are we? We're talking about something right here. In the New Testament... We see that Old Testament quote, Rachel weeping for her children. What was it talking about? It's talking about in Bethlehem, after Christ was born and escaped, an evil man came in and slaughtered all the children in that city. Can you imagine that? We can a little bit, can't we? We see weeping throughout scripture for people who have died. Even Jesus himself weeps over Lazarus' death. A second time, second way that you see weeping in scripture is the result of sin, which there's a little bit of overlap here. The result of sin, sin in the world, whether directly or indirectly. I think of Jeremiah the prophet I think he was known as the weeping prophet. You see him talking about weeping in Jeremiah over the sins of that city, but also in Lamentations, a whole book devoted to basically lamenting and weeping. In Lamentations 1.16, Jeremiah wrote, 
For these things I weep. My eyes flow with tears. For a comforter is far from me. One to revive my spirit. My children are desolate for the enemy has prevailed. And so he wept for what was happening in Jerusalem. Isaiah the prophet does a lot of similar things, weeping over the sins of the nation of Israel. And John, in the book of Revelation, Revelation 5, 4 says, I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. And so the, the, just the, all of mankind, there was no one that was worthy. And, and John says, I wept because of that. There's a lot of other examples I could give, but you see this again and again throughout Scripture. Not just weeping for death, but weeping because of sin. Whether directly because of your own, or because of someone else's, or just the results of sin in the world. But there's a third type of weeping that I noticed in Scripture. There's also weeping, and this type of weeping is generally not a good reason to weep. It's a bad reason and illustrated as a bad reason to weep. I'll give you the first example. The children of Israel in Exodus. You guys know the story of Exodus? Right? The Israelites. Slaves. Freed. They're, they've, they've crossed the Red Sea. You guys, what happened to the Red Sea? Come on. You guys went to Sunday school, some of you, right? What happened to the Red Sea? Parted. Dry land. Can you imagine that? I, I, always th- I, I can remember even as a child thinking about that and thinking to myself... If I saw that, there's no way I would ever, I would, I would never be worried about anything. God like just opened up the ocean and we just walked across. The children of Israel, as you know, didn't stop there. I think there's a lot of murmuring and complaining that happens after that. One particular illustration, God has just provided them with manna, bread from heaven. They're like, we're so hungry. And God gives them bread. They're eating. Go out. Think about that for a second. Go out every day. Eat bread. Listen to this, though. At some point, the children of Israel come to Moses, and the Bible says that they were weeping. <laughs> and you know what they were weeping about? This might strike a little close to home for some of us. No meat. And the Bible says they were weeping because they didn't get some meat. In Numbers eleven thirteen, Moses talking to the Lord, he says, where am I to get meat to give all this people? For they weep before me and say, give us meat that we, that we may eat. So they're not getting meat. And they start to weep. This is not the only illustration of this. There's other weeping in the Bible where people are weeping because they just didn't get what they want. Joel, the prophet, Joel 1.5, speaking, he says, Awake you drunkards and weep and wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the sweet wine, for it's cut off from your mouth. So he's talking about people who that are just weeping because of what they had, and it just got cut off, and they can't have what I want. Or Revelation 18.9. Actually, there's a couple in Revelation. 
talking about the end of days, and I think that these are things that are illustrating what Christ is talking about when he says, Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Here's a pinpoint illustration of that. Revelation 18.9 says, The kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her, talking about the city of Babylon, will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. So they see their, their kingdom burning in the end. And the Bible says that they will weep and wail over the loss of their kingdom. Revelation 18, 11, the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her since no one buys their cargo anymore. Nobody's there to buy her stuff and they weep and they wail. So there's other situations, other illustrations, but most examples of weeping, mourning, sorrow in the Bible fall into these three categories. Death. And like I said, there's some overlap. Sin. Or just not getting what we want. But frankly, it didn't really answer my question when I was looking at this. I thought, what, how does this help me? I'm trying to think about what this passage is about. So let's jump into this passage now. Keep in mind these categories as we jump into this passage. Luke 6.21, which by the way, here, here's another moment where I'm sitting here thinking, I, I, I love to just chuck this whole sermon to, on, one, on one level because I want to let you know, those of you right now, see, there's some that I could be directing this later to, you ought to be weeping. But this morning as I listen to Brace, I have some of you are coming here already there. And this teaching of Christ is for you. Blessed are you, happy are you, who weep now. There's a day coming in the future. And this laugh, I'll get into this, I'm getting out of my notes here, but this laugh is a, you ever seen in a movie where like some tragic thing almost happens, the car wrecks, and all of a sudden the person gets up and they're like, I'm still here. And then what do they do a lot of times? <laughs> That's what this is. There's going to be a future when all of this, like we talked about last week, all this is dissolved away. And we're going to go. <laughs> and I'm going to look at my wife. I'm going to look at some of you. I'm going to see you over there, the crowd of his saints. And we're going to go. Blessed are you that weep now. For one day, you will laugh this laugh of joy. Astonished, exuberant joy. But the woe that goes with it. Woe to you who laugh now. Now this laugh. Again, I'm getting ahead of myself. This laugh is this can also be understood as a laugh of scorn. (laughs) 
laugh of someone who thinks they're getting away with something. And the people who laugh now, Christ says, our Messiah says, will one day mourn and weep. There's some tenses in there. Notice the now. Right now, these things are happening. These good things in the future for some, bad for others. There's a future that's happening. The weep, sob, wail, just what you think of when you think of weeping. The mourning as well, tied in with that. And then like I already mentioned, this laugh. Here's the thing. This is just me. This isn't a quote from somebody. I'm trying to put this together in my head. Anyone in their right mind hearing and believing these things to be true would, would opt for poverty, hunger, and sorrow now in order to have the kingdom be satisfied and laugh later. Is that not true? I mean, if you, if you hear these words, anybody in their right mind hearing these words and believing these things to be true would go, if that's true, I would totally opt for... Poverty, hunger, and sorrow now, if I know that that's coming later. If that's how it works, if that's the formula that's been laid out for us, I'm in. What's the problem? We don't do that, do we? We don't experience this. This is tough because in our, in our country, we're pretty well off. Things are going pretty good most of the time. Now, I say that saying, following, obviously, are there elements of reality that are seeping in and hitting us? Totally. But we don't experience this this way. And if we're honest, I think the majority of our decisions and my decisions, if I'm being honest, the majority of my decisions that I make, if I'm, I'm like, in, 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 I make them in the name of wisdom, the majority of my decisions that I make are trying to be better off now, are trying to be more satisfied now, and are trying to enjoy more things now. Do you see what I did there? The majority of the decisions I make, if I'm completely honest, and I do it in the name of wisdom, is to be better off now, more satisfied now, and enjoy more things now. But then at the same time, I can sit here and put this up on the board and go, anybody in the right mind hearing this and believing these things to be true, that's what I would do. And uh, most of you are like, well, me too. But then what do we actually do? Now, it's very important as we're going to see more next week. And I hate doing that to you, but that's just how the text is next week. Because this is not over. There's going to be some next week. This is going to become glaringly clear. We're glimpsing at it these last few weeks. But hopefully you'll see this. I'm going to put this up here for you. These Beatitudes are written for those who are poor, hungry, and weeping now because they're following Jesus. Their decisions about Jesus are causing these things. Okay? It's not just a blanket statement. So... It's not just a statement that says, hey, everybody that's like this. 
Frankly, some people are poor because they're terrible with money. Right? Some people aren't poor because they were following Jesus. They're poor because they just make dumb decisions. Some people were poor because they were born into a situation where there was literally no opportunity to get out. Think about across the globe. We talked about poverty before. But some people are poor because they're just lazy. Or gambled it away. Some people are hungry because they're gluttons. I'm very seldom hungry myself, if ever, because I don't have anything to eat. In fact, I don't think that's ever happened. No comment. You guys don't need to amen that. Some people are poor or hungry because they, there isn't any food, literally, in their community or their country. Some people are weeping because a loved one died. Some people are weeping because they didn't get the meat that they want or the nice toys that they want. But these Beatitudes are written for those who are poor, hungry, and weeping now because they are following Jesus. Which means these promises of the kingdom, following Jesus must in some way tend towards, or could I say trend toward, poor, hungry, and weeping now. In some way, following Jesus must tend toward or trend this direction. It doesn't mean that every single human being that has followed Jesus has had these things all the time, right? We can't say that. There's a whole big Bible full of people who were very well off at different times of their life. But we also must recognize that there is a tend or a trend towards these things. And I think as well-off Americans, we have to acknowledge this. Consider Christ saying these things. Because if, if our trend or our tendency is not towards these things, we shouldn't, shouldn't we at least ask ourselves, maybe we're making the wrong decisions? We, we could at least ask it, can't we? Th think about this. I know you've all heard this before, but listen to Jesus here. Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I'm not making this up, in other words, truly, I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Like when Jesus looks at people and he goes, the ones that are finding the kingdom and the ones that are having a tough time recognizing the kingdom and entering into it, the ones that are rich... It's with great difficulty. And there's a whole plethora of reasons that we could go into as to why that's the case. I've never heard that before, but take it to heart. Take that, just let that sink in for a minute, because we're all doing pretty good. Some of us better than others, but we're not doing so bad, especially when you look globally. Would you agree with that? I thought about doing the whole statistics thing and showing you where we rank and all that. I think we've all heard that, seen that, know that. We got it. In case you're wondering how serious Jesus is about this, I think you know what he says next, don't you? 
Again, I tell you, in case the disciples were like confused about it. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. You may respond, unfortunately, the disciples are a lot like us, so that they did this for us. You may be going, well, shoot. (laughs) When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished. They're like, whoa, wait, what? If that's the case, who in the world is going to get saved? Who? Because, man, this is impossible. It's possible. But think, think, have you thought, ever thought about what Jesus is actually saying here? If you're rich and you end up in heaven, that's a miracle. Really weird for that to happen miraculous so what are we to do well like i mentioned next week i'm going to dig into this even deeper because all this is going to culminate connecting the idea that all of these things are about being followers of christ and why it tends to be this way but in the meantime for this week I've got two points of application I want to give you, and I know that I'm probably way faster than I normally am. I'm just now realizing this, but that's okay. we got food to eat. I feel like I need to add a third one in here, clearly for those that are already there this morning. If you came here today, and isn't that how it works? You can have everything, and you lose that person you love. You lose that tragedy strikes your family, or there's that almost tragedy, or the, 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 the dad, right, that's sick, and we're like, oh, no. And you start thinking about the reality of it. And you could have everything in the world. You go, I don't even care about any of it. And so when you come like that, you're there. In your head, you're like, I might as well not have anything. When you come weeping, this is for you. So I'm going to add this extra point of application right at the beginning, right up the bat. If that's where you're at, praise God. Blessed are you who weep now because a day is coming. There's a day coming. I'll come back to that in a minute. For the rest of us, Because let's be honest, have you had that happen and then time passes? What do you do? Kind of take death. It, It stays in the back closet of your mind, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean by that? Death, the idea of it, specifically with people that you know and care about. Where do you like to keep it? Do you keep it right here and think about it all the time? You don't want to do that. I'd be miserable. I want to take it. I want to put it over here somewhere. I'm going to sit it in the back recesses. Let's get some fake cobwebs around it and try to pretend like I never have to deal with it. And then when it comes, we always get surprised. So my first point of application is this. I did it this way first. Open your eyes. 
And I almost went down the path of just saying, and I will tell you that I do believe this to a degree. We ought to have, like, let's just look it in the eyes every once in a while. Everybody in this room is going to die. You're all dead. I don't care how healthy you are right now. Reality. That is reality. We ought not to ignore the fleeting nature of life. To keep it at the forefront. But I'm not going to say it that way. I'm gonna, I, I started with that, and I thought, you know, I'm going to say I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something a little bit different. There, there's there's a movement going on today. That's got a little nickname. Um, you ever heard? You ever heard woke? People getting woke. Now, some of you are like, "Yeah, I've heard it, and I don't like it." I'm gonna pun, you know, okay. I want you to understand something right now. At the heart of much of what that movement is about, it started with this concept. In fact, if you, if you look into it, it's really hard to pinpoint where the, the term came from, but it clearly has this idea of waking up and recognizing reality. That's kind of the idea. And for many people, it started with this idea that there, there's a lot of terrible things in the world. And there's a lot of people just trying to walk around, pretend like nothing's wrong. And there's stuff that's wrong. And I'll tell you right now, the woke movement is wrong because they get the vi- they get the villains wrong, they get the victims wrong. They, there's so many things wrong about it, but they're not wrong in recognizing that there are wrong things in the world. So don't get woke, but you might want to wake up. First Thessalonians five says this: For your children of light, Christians, disciples of Christ today that are in here. You are children of light, children of the day. We're not of the night or of the darkness. So let, let us not sleep the way others do. Let's just doze through life the way some people do. But let us keep awake and be sober, like serious-minded. And I have to say, I could go down. I'm, I'm not going to do this today, but I'm telling you right now, this, this is the root problem of almost every one of our, our sinful behaviors that we struggle with is trying to just forget life is it not think about all the addictive things that you guys deal with all the the whether it's chemical addictions or video game addictions or television addictions or anything you name it what are you trying to do i don't want to think about how this life sucks it's pretty crappy a lot and I don't want to think about it. So I'm going to play this video game. And I win. I'm the winner. <laughs> Forget all that. I don't want to think about that stuff. That is not the mind of a follower of Christ. Let's wake up a little bit. Here, I'll help you. Some of these statistics are old. A few years ago, 2018, 
there were 619,591 abortions in the United States. That's a dual tragedy. There was a baby that was killed. There was a mother that had been lied to and told that that was okay. In our state, Illinois, in 2018, there were 42,000 just in Illinois. In America, there are about 20,000 murders every year. 20,000 murders a year. Across the globe, we were talking about hunger a minute ago. Each year, about 9 million people die of hunger every single year. 9 million people. Just of hunger. Let's take it a different direction. Remember, there's two things we could weep over. Death, but also sin. Some of those things, you see the overlap there? Sin and death. I think that's why sin and death go together so often in Scripture. How about in our country, sexual sin? Is it not rampant? And some of you go, man, especially lately. I'm telling you what, man, it's been rampant for a long time. There's been people having sex outside of marriage for a long time, and it's all been evil in God's eyes. And it's all been occasion for us to weep. Did you know that every 13 seconds, and now let me, let me say, I need to say something before I say this next, next statistic. As children of God, when we start delving into these things, one of the ways that it can go awry is self-pity. Okay, so I'm not bringing these things up for anybody to go, oh, it, it, weeping over sin is not a, I'm terrible. It's God is great. There's, there's a difference. Because in the God is great, you'd recognize you're terrible. But you know that God's greatness includes grace. And so I'm going to name a statistic here that I know that some of you have. I mean, in fact, I, I, well, let's be honest. The first one I just said, sexual sin. I doubt there's very many innocent people in this room. But this next one. It's hard. Divorce. Did you know that in America, every 13 seconds, there's another divorce in America? That equates to 277 divorces per year, or per hour, six, over 6,000 per day, 46,000 a week, 2 million divorces a year in America. And this is something that God goes, I hate that. Did you know that if you look at all the countries in America, how many children are living in single-parent homes? America has the highest percentage of all the countries in the world. 23% of children in this country live in single-parent homes. There's a lot of reasons to mourn, is there not? And to weep? How about this one? Christianity in America. Have you... Read any of the statistics lately? How it's, it's, what's it doing right now? 
the numbers. In the 1970s, 89% of people claimed to be Christian in America. Um, by the 80s, it was 70%. And I, don't, I, didn't, I couldn't find the good statistics for today, but it's, it's plummeting. In 2010, only 28% of people attend church weekly. I could go on. I actually have a whole other page of things here. Um, but I think about our own lives, our own sins, you know, our own deaths that we've experienced. think if we're awake, I think this is practically, in a practical way, a first step to take. As we're following Christ, it's not like there aren't reasons to weep. There are plenty. In our own church, if you come here awake, you understand verses like this, don't you? Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians when he's talking about the body of believers. If one member suffers, all suffer together. I don't know about you, but hearing, and we can, we can say this, these kinds of things in a church this size, hearing, hearing Abby, hearing about Austin's aunt, right, the funeral, and all his family, right, knowing the sickness Mary Longfellow's going through. I know there's others in this room. Your mom, right? Your dad. I don't know about you, but do you, do you guys, when you hear those things, do you, do you suffer? I know I did. Just listening to you guys today, it's like, I, I'm going to be honest, I was feeling pretty happy. <laughs> but I willingly, with eyes opened, in ears open, heard you guys today, and man, I, I, I don't want to say this flippantly, and I, I know that I'm not alone, but I know that you, you hear those things, you just go, man, you may feel the, the weight, what about the thing down in Florida, Chuck mentioned that this morning, you might read those stories, and you, you, you just felt your heart ache, righteous Job, even before he lost all, said this of himself. He said, did not I weep for him whose day was hard? Was not my soul grieved for the needy? King David, right after talking about a segment where people were treating him poorly, turned around and those same people that were treating him that way. He said, but, when, but I, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with head bowed on my chest. I went about as though I grieved for my friend or my brother as one who laments his mother. I bowed down in mourning. I guess what I'm saying is that these things are good things for us to experience together, are they not? Part of being in the kingdom, I think, in a wealthy society like we live in, where we have a lot of opportunities for just 
enjoyment and things going smooth and everything else, one of the best ways we can begin to just enter into God's kingdom is being in church and hearing those prayers and those praises, but then those requests and those, those sorrows that others are going through and just enter into it and feel it. Thinking about those, remembering those. Author of Hebrews echoes that as well. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, those who are mistreated since you are also in the body. So you're thinking about, thinking about, being aware, you're awake. You want to know, what are you going through? What are you going through? And just let yourself feel it with your eyes open, your ears open, your heart open. Philip Ryken writing about this, he said, we weep for our sins, repenting of all the wrong that we have done. We weep for the sins of others, lamenting the dishonor they do to God. We weep for the sins of our society, knowing that we ourselves are implicated in their iniquity. We weep for the lost. We do that every Wednesday night. We go around, we have a list of prodigals that we pray for. In the midst of all of our other requests, we have this list of prodigals that we're just praying for. Lord, save them. We weep for the lost, praying that God will rescue them. We weep for those who suffer, grieving over all the natural disasters and armed conflicts and, and actual, I threw that in there, actual social injustices, because there are actual real social injustices that do happen every day. And we weep for the loved ones that we have lost, knowing that they are gone and will not return at least not in this life, regardless. And so, don't get woke, but let's be awake with each other and live in the day. And the day that we live in is a day that is full of poverty and hunger and sorrow. And let's just, I know this sounds just, not so, but let's just embrace it and get as much out of it for all that it's worth. Let's experience that. So I don't want to end on that note. Let's keep in mind the delayed gratification of the kingdom of God. Okay? Let's keep in... See, that's the thing that Jesus does, though. He doesn't just say, blessed are you who weep. That's great. What does he say? He said, blessed are you that weep. Why? For one day you will laugh. Blessed are you that are poor. You have the kingdom. Blessed are you that are hungry now. For one day you're going to be filled. See, there's, there's future in mind. Matthew's version of this beatitude says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. There is comfort waiting for you. Psalm 30 says, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. This speaks temporarily, but I think we all get the, the bigger sense of this. How about Paul in 2 Corinthians 4? He says this, for this light momentary affliction. Well, what do you call that, Paul? It doesn't feel like light and momentary. 
did any of the things that you guys mentioned today, did any of you go, oh, this is light and momentary, but I just wanted to mention, and then this terrible thing, did you do that? No, it doesn't, does it feel like a light? But why does Paul say that? Let's really think about his words. This light momentary affliction is preparing us for a, an eternal weight of glory. See, the, the weight of the glory makes the, this affliction feel light and momentary. And it, that's what it will be. It's not, we're not playing mental games here. We're not trying to like trick ourselves into thinking that way. No, that's the reality. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. The things that are seen are transient. The things that are unseen are eternal. I think a lot of us have a problem, though. We have, like if I were to do a scan of your brain, and I, I, I did not have internet at the church this morning. I was actually going to find a brain scan, and I was going to do this. And it was going to be hilarious. But uh, I was going to find a brain scan. So picture it. Can you picture it? Pretend like you're looking at a brain scan. I was going to say, some of you have found that if you were to scan your brains, you would find that right in the middle of your brain. So picture that. Can you picture that brain scan up there? Okay. Now I want you to picture right in the middle of it your, your instant gratification puppy. Okay. So just picture a little puppy. I was going to put a little puppy up there all of a sudden. Right. Some of you, that's the problem that you have. Up in your brain, you've got this little instant gratification puppy. And you're like, yeah, I want to focus on what God wants and thinking long, delayed gratification later. But then you've got this little puppy sitting up in your head going, ooh, treats. <laughs> right? That's not a, not a deep thought in that brain at that moment, right? You're, you're, that's what you want, though. You want, you want the instant, and that little puppy's up there, and he's grabbing the wheel, and he's going, no, 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 let's do this. Treats, Scooby Snacks. <laughs> that's not the way to live, is it? I know puppies are fun. No, they're not. I Paul says, I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing. We need to have a mind that goes, treats? No. If I got time for that, maybe, but man, I'm, I'm thinking about something else. I got my eyes fixed on something else. And I consider the sufferings of this present time are not even worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Or one of my wife's favorite psalms. Those who sow in tears. Right now. Tears. You're doing what God has called you. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Sometimes that's, we can think of this in, this in this life. We see glimpses of that, don't we? Sometimes you do the right thing. And down the road, there, you, you, you get a, a taste of that. Reaping. Right? But this is meant to point e even those things that you do. Because, like, when we, we talk about biblical counseling, one of the things we talk about is doing things God's way. And, and the, we, sometimes we'll, we'll tell people about the benefits of doing things, parenting God's way, or, or doing marriage God's way. Or we, do, we talk about the, the benefits. And the, the, but I'm telling you what, right now, that's not why you do it. Sometimes that happens, but sometimes you will do everything God tells you to do, and it'll turn out like crap, but you're not thinking about that. You're thinking about eternal weight of glory. 
And you're following Christ not because he's going to give you what you want now. You're following Christ because of what he's going to give you later. So we have some rejoicing now for a little while. If necessary, even though we've been grieved by various trials. But we all need to have our eyes thinking about and our hearts thinking about something else. So I'm going to end with this passage. John, glimpsing. I think the little the veil of future is kind of pulled back. And he's trying to explain in the book of Revelation. He's trying to explain things that there's really not really any good words to talk about but he, he's getting glimpses of things and so he's looking into the future god has given him these glimpses and he this is what he says near the end of the book of revelation he says this i saw a new heaven and new earth that earth heaven right sky everything for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, it was gone. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And here it is. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain. Think about that. No more need for a leave. No more ibuprofen needed in this place. No broken hearted ache at death. Ever again. Th then. Not now. For the former things. All that former stuff. And something new. Not all will experience this kingdom. But those today have their eyes fixed because of the grace of God their eyes have been opened and they say Christ I'm following you till the day I die so if you're here today weeping mourning full of sorrow I urge you put all hope for any type of ease of this in Christ himself. He, I'm not going to tell you right now that he's going to, you, you may have glimpses of, of sorrow wiped away in this life. You're going to have glimpses of it, aren't you? Yeah, we've got some joys going on here, but every single one of them is meant to make you think about the bigger one coming. I'm here to tell you there are absolutely zero guarantees in this life in following Christ. And if you're in it for the now, you're not in it. That's what these Beatitudes are telling us. If you're in it, 
You're in it for the then, not for the now. I want to urge you, if you still have any of those tight grips on the things that are here now, or if you're weeping for the wrong reasons, like the children of Israel weeping over the not getting the meat, today is your day of repentance and saying, Lord, I want to relinquish my hold on the things of this life. Even if that means I end up weeping a lot more now because I'm paying attention, I'm ready for it. So I want to be part of that kingdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you again for this day. I thank you, Lord, for these beatitudes that blessed are those who weep. And Lord, I think of that as many came in today already there not needing to be pressed that direction. They're there. And I thank you, Lord, that you have a promise for those that come to you in the middle of their sorrow because of the promises that you have for them. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this week just to have our eyes open to the realities of the world, to to look death in the eye. Lord, I pray that we would recognize in all of the joys that we have now that these are all transient joys help us have our eyes fixed on that future I pray that you'd be with those that are here today the comforts that you give them today would not distract them from the comforts that they hope for eternity Lord pray for your blessing on us and your care over us and that you will deliver us one day into your eternal kingdom I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I want to invite you again to stay and eat with us. I've noticed that there's somebody in the kitchen that keeps peeking out to see when I'm about done so that they know when to make sure the food is warm. Um, I want to invite you to do this with us, not just because we have a bunch of food that we want to get rid of, (laughs) but because this is an opportunity. Honestly, these are opportunities. When we have times of fellowship together, these are opportunities to really just enter into people's lives. You're sitting down at a table with them. There's, There's a joy element, right? And we're thinking, you can think about that eternal feast in the future. We're experiencing a little bit of that now. But there's that opportunity there in the middle of that to say, what are you going through? What's happening in your life? And just really listen to somebody else. What sorrows, what tragedies, sorrow with them right? Feel with them. I know that not all of you can stay because you weren't planning on this, and so I'm not going to, I'm not going to watch you walking out and going, oh, they just don't want to be part of the family. I'm not going to do that to you. Okay, I get it. I know that we just sprung it on you, so I'm not going to do that. It's okay, but if you can, I'd love if you could stay, but make it purposeful and meaningful and talk and fellowship and get to know the other people that are part of this body, okay? All right, you guys are dismissed.